0: Hello everyone, this is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 42. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei and I'm your host. Today's episode is How to Change the Brain. I hope you enjoy it and you'll give us a listen and maybe even a review as you head over to the iTunes podcast app. Hello, faithful listeners and new friends. Thank you for joining me on another season of the Connected Family Podcast. I took, oh, December and January off to refresh and rejuvenate a little bit. Spent some time with family, spent some time reading some books. I've read quite a few books in the last couple of months, and I'm always regurgitating and thinking about how Can these books be helpful in providing some more insight and helpful discussion with my podcast listeners? So I'm hopeful that as we launch into a new season of the podcast, there'll be some topics that we cover that are rejuvenating for you, that inspire you as a parent, inspire you as a partner, and help you to connect with your family in 2021. So we're heading into the month of February here. Really, we've already been in it for a week. And this is about the time of year when we've gone through January and maybe at the beginning of the year we start to think about, okay, what are some things that I want to do differently this year in 2021? Are there, maybe you are a New Year's resolution type person, or maybe you just set goals for yourself at the beginning of each year. I do not tend to be a New Year's resolution type person. However, I do set goals. I did not this year, (laughs) but I do set goals sometimes at different points throughout my career. Goals related to my family, my spiritual life, my career. And I often write them down in a journal and then I go back and look at them sometimes years later and I see how did I do on that goal. The nice thing that I think about goals is that if I don't accomplish them, I don't get too upset at myself. Really, it's kind of a a way of pointing my plans for the year or for the next phase of my life. However, I recently read a book that I think is going to be helpful for me and I hope helpful for you that helps in order to understand if I'm setting goals or if I'm setting new year's resolutions or want to improve my relationships or make some sort of change in my life, how can I do that? Are there, are there certain ways that I can find most success with that? Now, this isn't a three-step plan or anything like that, but it's all about how to change with the brain in mind. So thinking about how the brain works and how it influences the way that we change. So as I've said, you know, many of us this year's, This year, we're talking about goals and plans. We may even take big ideas and break them into small steps, or we subscribe to, you know, the latest guru's foolproof plan to rock out 2021. And this book that I read, uh, written by Kurt Thompson, called The Anatomy of the Soul, outlines a way in which we can change our relationships, change our connection to others, and maybe even how we operate in the world by changing our brain. So neuroscientists, and Kurt Thompson is one of them, he's a psychiatrist, and they say that the brain is plastic, meaning it can change and grow over the entire lifespan. So Thompson states that we can use the neuroplastic triad, and we'll talk about what that is here in a minute, to change the way that we function in relationships, how we function ourselves, and the way that we interact with the world. He argues that we increase our functioning in relationships, the way we use emotion and memory through the neuroplastic triad, which is aerobic activity, focused attention exercises and novel learning experiences. So let's look at each one of those things and how they might be implemented into our lives in small, tiny ways to help prepare us, prepare our brain for the change that could um, move us into the next year to help us accomplish those goals and the things that we want to do in our relationships with our emotions and interactions with the world so first aerobic activity so we've always known that exercise size is good for us right most most of us however tend to think of exercise as something that changes our body we may lose a few pounds we gain some more physical strength Maybe we even fit into the clothes that we wore when we were much younger. However, Thompson argues that regular vigorous activity actually changes our brain and makes it more responsive for our lives. We may become more able to regulate emotions, handle disappointment, or connect with our loved ones. The thing that I think about this also is in regards to increasing resilience. Uh, I'm a runner, and when I first tried to start running, uh, many years ago, it was probably 10 years ago that I, I was like, okay, I want to start running. I want to be in good shape. I want to lose a little bit of weight. Well, I would try it and I would go out and I would run a mile or two miles and I would do that one day. And the next day I was hurting so badly because my muscles were not used to that. Neither was my mind or my lungs used to that. And so then the next day I couldn't run because I was too tired. So I could never put together any pattern of consecutive days where i would run then one time about five years ago when i finally learned how to run i decided well i'm just going to walk for 10 minutes then i'm going to run as far as i can however long that is it's more of a time-based thing and then i'm going to walk for another 10 minutes so that first time that i ran i was able to run for 13 minutes the pace didn't matter to me i was just trying to keep running As long as I could, and I did it for 13 minutes. That was my baseline. After that, then I started to just gradually increase the amount of time that I ran compared to the amount of time that I was walking. Eventually, about eight months later, I ran a a half marathon, the first half marathon, which is 13 miles. Um, That was the first one that I'd ever run. And it took me a long time to get ready to do that, but it was this eventual gradual increase and i see that as connected to resilience because there is something that i could never have imagined doing running 13 miles on that first day when i started no way could i imagine myself running 13 miles that eventually when i did it it was like oh i did this and i actually even was you know still walking at the end of the race So it increases resilience, and a lot of it has to do with emotional resilience. Of course, aerobic activity improves our physical resilience, but also emotionally, particularly with the example of exercise, that there are things emotionally, mentally, that we think, oh, I just can't do that. But if we get into an aerobic activity pattern, we can push ourselves just a little bit beyond what we think we're capable of. And each time we push ourselves just a little bit beyond what we're capable of, we go, oh, I could do this. I was, I did just a little bit more. I'm more capable, and that builds resilience. Not only this does it build resilience, lots of other research talks about the benefits of exercise for our mood. Whenever I talk uh, with people who are experiencing depression, I ask them about their exercise routine. Many of them say, yeah, I know exercise is good for depression. So we all know this, that exercise helps to improve our moods. However, if we can get into that small incremental increase of activity, it can be really helpful for the way that our mood interacts in our lives. So aerobic activity, you know, just getting ourselves moving a little bit. Next in the neuroplastic triad is focused attention exercises. So changing the brain has to do with creating new wiring or neural networks as the scientists call them. Focused attention is how the wiring is created. Some call this type of attention mindfulness. Others practice prayer or meditation to accomplish similar purposes. Focused attention allows us to become more aware of what happens inside of us at any particular moment. And this awareness creates deeper understanding of ourselves and others. This new understanding allows for more connection to ourselves and the people that matter in our lives. So I think that we could practice focused attention doing anything. The best example that I have of this is reading. So I recently read an article in which the author of the article and his name was carl truman was talking about how technology has really over the course of the last several decades decreased our ability to to have focused attention and he was you know illustrating how websites and tv shows and all the images that we view in social media tend to be very short, and the length of the images, the length of the clips that we watch in a TV show, the length of the um, scenes that are portrayed for us in any sitcom have gotten shorter and shorter over the course of time. So as now, any given time that we can actually give attention to a particular show or a particular ad or a particular image is much shorter than it used to be. I even had my teenage son tell me that our attention spans, actually, the average attention span of a human being is shorter than a goldfish at present time in history. Now, I might have to check up on the research there, but I trust him. He watches lots of good stuff and learns all sorts of things. Where does he learn it? YouTube, of course. <laughs> so I also challenged them to read. Um So the use of technology in our culture has decreased our ability as human beings to sustain this focused attention. And the article by Carl Truman that I was reading talks about how reading is one of the best ways to increase our ability to hold focused attention. And he was talking about, you know, maybe starting out by reading five minutes a day. Do that for a week. Then read for 10 minutes a day. Do that for a week. Then do... 30 minutes, do that for a week, and how this focused attention that we have to exercise through in our brains when we read is super, super helpful in increasing our ability as people to be able to focus on whatever it is that we want to focus on and not be distracted by outside things. I think this is huge for connection and relationship. Because imagine if we're trying to focus on our partner or our child, tell us, something that's really, really important to them, Uh, something that happened to them today, a story that carries lots of emotion for them. But imagine that our attention span isn't very long, and it's hard for us to pay attention for, you know, the five or ten minutes that it's going to take them to tell the story. We get distracted by our phone. We get distracted by noises or thoughts in our heads. I bet they don't feel like we're listening all that well when our focus gets pulled away from them if we can increase by our attention spans by using focused attention we can increase connection to our children increase connection to our partners through this strengthening the muscle of focused attention so number one was aerobic activity number two is focused attention exercises and it could be anything it could be puzzles it could be word finds it could be reading, uh, mindfulness, prayer, meditation, any type of activity that challenges you to gradually increase the amount of time that you are able to focus on a particular task. The third part of the neuroplastic triad is the novel learning experiences. So Thompson challenges us to engage in novel learning experiences. These activities should include activities that one is passionate about, or things that contain deep meaning for the individual. Memorizing the phone book probably doesn't count, but such things as art, music, dance, drawing, or working with your hands may be just the thing that you need to learn something new to challenge your brain, because these new learning experiences stretch our neural networks the neural connections in our brain, and it causes us to use parts of our brain that we may not have used in a while because here's something that's really, really important to understand about how the brain works. It's called the idea, it's called pruning. If we do not use aspects of our brain or neural networks in our brain, those parts or those neural network trees, we might think of them, would get pruned away. The brain needs to be a very efficient part of our body. Because if any part of the brain is inefficient, then that causes us to have to use more energy. And the body wants to use as little energy as possible, because if we run out of energy, then we are in trouble. And so if there are parts of the brain that are not being used, they get pruned away. This is also known as something called use-dependent, meaning we have to use it in order for it to stay the neural network remaining in our brain is dependent on us using it. I think I've used the example in the past of playing the guitar and how I used to have these wonderful songs memorized and how I could play the guitar. However, I've forgotten how to play many of them. There's one that I still remember how to play, and it's because over the course of the years, I've gone back to that one. That's the one I've played over and over and over again. I, I learned it probably 20 years ago but I can still do it because I continued to use the neural networks that were developed in my ability to learn that one. So these new novel learning experiences increase the neural networks in our brain, create new neural networks and connect with old neural networks, enabling us to learn new things and make new connections throughout our brain. So the three things that we have here as part of the neuroplastic triad are aerobic activity, focused attention exercises, and novel learning experiences. So how is this helpful for us? Change can be difficult, and many of us, myself included, have experienced failure in our attempts to change. But approaching change from this brain-based perspective allows us to really lay the groundwork in our mind and body before attempting to change outward behavior. So I'm thinking of this as, man, it's like taking really small baby steps towards the outward behavior that we want to change sometimes maybe we set goals resolutions about changing a behavior but there isn't the groundwork laid for us to be able to do that this changing our brain through aerobic activity focused attention exercises and novel learning experiences is really laying the groundwork that would allow for that outward behavior to change so Start with a short walk while mindfully paying attention to your surroundings or praying. As you gain confidence and traction in that area, try something new like an instrument or sketching a drawing book or reading or some other new experience, listening to music or learning learning, uh, the piano. Take it slow and give yourself grace. Um, We're not going to be perfect, but... Each one of those tiny little steps that we take is a step towards change. And as we change our brain, as we create new neural networks, that that improves or increases our opportunity to experience change in other areas of life as well. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this is helpful. Please, as always, if you enjoyed this or found this to be uh, something that you learned from, leave a review for us on apple itunes the app that you use to listen to the podcast that always helps in other people finding the podcast and learning from it as well thanks so much and have a great week thank you for listening to the connected family podcast we're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids strong marriages and connected families if you'd like to continue the conversation about how to change your brain please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources, discussion regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at connectionsquincy.com.